This message this morning is titled, Open Your Heart. Open Your Heart. Now, as people, we have a lot of sayings that if we treated them literally, um, they don't make sense. <laughs> Open Your Heart is kind of one of those type of sayings, those phrases that are more metaphorical than literal. If we were to actually open up our physical heart, then we would die. So we're not talking about that. We're not talking about anything like that. Doctors do open heart surgery, but that is done under specific circumstances and only for the worst of conditions because it is such a dangerous thing. Why? Well, our physical heart is what keeps us alive. Our physical heart is what drives the blood through the body And it gives the body oxygen, nutrients, helps to take away waste matter. It has a cleansing effect. It does an awful lot in our body that without the blood flowing, without the heart pumping, we would die. Without the heart pumping, there is no blood flow, no oxygen, no nutrients getting to the entire body, and waste matter builds up. The end result is death, and the medical profession calls it a heart attack. We need blood to survive. But if that blood isn't flowing through our bodies, then it's not much use to us. We can have all the blood that we need, but if there isn't that flow, if there isn't that travel, if there isn't that coursing through our veins, throughout our whole body, then our body starts to die. It starts to break down. There's no life getting to the organs, to the areas, to the limbs that needs to keep us moving and going. A correctly functional functioning heart is vital to staying alive in the physical. And in the same way, when the Bible talks about our heart, it's talking about our deepest desires, our emotions, what drives us forward. There's always emotion when we talk about the heart. If our heart is open to God, if we allow God to speak to us, and if it allows, even encourages the blood of Jesus to flow through, to every part of our lives, then the blood of Jesus can do its vital work to keep us alive spiritually. So just like we need our physical blood, we need the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is what heals, is what cleanses, is what brings us into a closer relationship with Him. If our heart is right spiritually, then the Holy Ghost and the Bible can feed us and keep us alive spiritually, as well as helping to take away impurities in our lives, because the blood takes away impurities, and the blood of Jesus takes away things that are impure and unholy in our lives, just the same. But if our heart is blocked spiritually, if we're not willing to listen, if we're not willing to allow God to speak to us, to talk to us about things in our lives, then there are areas of our lives that are dead to the moving of God's Spirit, and there's no way for Jesus to heal that because he hasn't been allowed in. We haven't allowed him to do that work in our lives. It's the same as if the blood gets blocked from a person's limb that stops flowing. There's there's some sort of a blockage in there. The limb dies because there's no blood. There's no flow. There's nothing in that area that can keep it functioning. Those dead areas don't just stay dead by themselves, but there is a flow-on effect. 
where your heart becomes more and more blocked and you are unable to let the blood of Jesus into any part of your life. And that is where spiritual death follows. It's a progression. When we start blocking the Lord off to one area of our life, it doesn't stop there. There is always a progression. But when we let him in, when we allow him to deal with those things that we don't want him to deal with, then there's that light, there's that blood being applied, there's that hardness that's being softened as we allow the Lord to work and work on that part of our life that is displeasing to him, that's causing that blockage, that's causing his blood not to flow to that part of our life that desperately needs it. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 7 says, Wherefore, as the Holy Ghost says, Today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Hardening your hearts is another of those phrases that we use. We can't literally harden our own heart. That would cause death. But it's talking about not listening, not letting God in, not allowing God to do the work that he wants to do in our hearts. Harden not your hearts as in the provocation, in the day of temptation in the wilderness, when your fathers tempted me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, that it always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear in my wrath they shall not enter into my rest. The children of Israel had a history of not following God. They had a history of not listening to him, to his voice, to his prophets, to when he spoke to them. They continually rebelled and and resisted God's will in their lives. And God gave judgments because of that. He caused his people to go into captivity more than once. And when, and and God got fed up with the fact that they would not listen to his voice. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Our heart, our the thing that drives us within, the things that we want to do, the things that we choose to do, things that we want to do with all of our our being, our soul, those things are generally not the same direction that God wants to go unless we are walking in the Spirit. And so those things will lead us away from God. But exhort one another daily. While it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Sin will cause us, will cause a blockage in our heart. Sin will cause us to not be able to let the, the blood of Jesus be applied to that part of our life spiritually. Sin will cause us to not be able to hear the word of God. When we choose to sin, we are choosing to go down the wrong path. We are choosing the, uh, basically spiritual death in the end because we are not allowing God to deal with that part of our life, with our own wantonness, with our own desires to do our own things. For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. What does that mean? It means when you start walking with God, you start walking a good walk. You're listening to God. You want to do things for God. You want to, you want to follow Him. You want to worship Him. You want to, nothing is too difficult because you have a relationship, because you love Him. But when, 
as we walk along this walk, we can lose our way sometimes. We can take our eyes off Jesus. We can let things into our lives that should not be there and we can stop listening to his voice. If we keep walking with him, we will continue to listen. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, harden not your hearts as in the provocation. Don't be like the children of Israel were continually over thousands of years in the Old Testament. They just continued to fail God, continued to rebel, continued to choose to do their own thing. For some, when they had heard, did provoke. So they heard God, but they decided to go their own way. They said, no, not interested. Not, I don't think I need to do that. That's, that's not important. I'll do my own thing. And how be it not all that came out of Egypt by Moses. But with whom was he grieved 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? God couldn't work with people that were not going to listen to him. And so they made choices. They rebelled. They decided not to follow God. And God said, ah, I'm not having that. I am going to work with people that will follow me and serve me. And to who swear he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. When we truly believe in God, when we believe in his word, when we believe in him, when we understand the incredible power that he, he gives into our lives to do the right thing, to, to follow him, to serve him, we, we will follow him. We, 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 there's no room for unbelief because we understand just how awesome God is and how much better life is with Jesus. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. You know, it's not a once saved, always saved doctrine. We can be lost if we, we follow Jesus. If we don't follow Jesus, we can be lost. If we decide to stop listening to him, we can walk for the Lord for 40 years and then decide, well, you know, I don't think this matters anymore. I, 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 you know, I'm, I'm in a pretty good place. I've followed God so greatly all of these years, but I'm not interested anymore. I'm just going to do my thing. I, I think that this is all right. That's not the way that God wants it to be. And it will cause us to lose out with God. For unto us was the gospel preached as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. We need to have faith. We need to be able to believe that God's word is God's word, that it applies to us, that it's what we need, that when God speaks to us, whether it's through his word, whether it's over the pulpit, that we are open to hearing what God wants to say to us. Ephesians 4 and 17 says, This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ. We don't get to do the same things as the world when we are following Jesus. That, that's the stuff that people do out there because they don't know any better. 
they, they think they're doing the right thing. They think they're doing what, what's pleasing them, what, what, what will make them happy. But it will never make them happy. And it should never, we should never think that it could make us happy in the church. Only following Jesus will give us eternal life, will give us true peace, will give us true joy, will give us true happiness in this world. But ye have not so learned Christ, if so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. We have to be willing to listen. We have to have a teachable spirit to be taught by him. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. God has given us a new life. God has given us a new way of walking. We are not to be the same old carnal man that we used to be. Your heart is what drives you and connects you to God's Spirit when you let it be that way. If your heart is open and sensitive to Jesus, He'll talk to you. But if your heart is closed and filled with the things of this earth or wickedness, or an an inability to listen, you'll miss out on God's voice and direction in your life. When he calls you closer, when he wants to show you something that you haven't been able to see before, when he wants to deal with you about something in your life that you haven't been willing to um, let him deal with before, you'll miss out on that. There are times that Jesus will start to speak into our hearts when we're not expecting it. When we think that everything is, is just going to keep going the way that it's gone. Especially if you're walk, going through some sort of a trial or a circumstance or a situation that you can't see a way out of it. It seems like everything's just going to keep going the same way from day to day. Struggling to live. But when we're open to Jesus, then his light can come in. Then he can speak to us. He can give us promises that will take us through to the rest of the journey through the rest of the way. That happened in Luke chapter 24 and verse 13. Jesus had been crucified. And two of Jesus' disciples were traveling. They didn't really have anything else to do. They were, they were sad. They were, they were grieving for the fact that Jesus had been killed so unjustly. And behold... Two of them went that same day to a village called Emmaus, which is from Jerusalem, about three, three score furlongs. And oh, I believe that's about a day's journey. And they walked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, they were talking about everything that had gone on just recently. Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were holding that they should not know him. Jesus came into the situation, but they didn't even recognize who he was or what he could do for them in that situation. And he said unto them, What manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are sad? And the one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering, said unto him, Are you only a stranger in Jerusalem and have not knowing the things which had come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, 
concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which is a prophet mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. They had a faith in God, but now their faith was shaken. Now because of, of what they had seen, now because of what they had experienced, they were, they were wavering. They, they weren't sure what to believe anymore. They were, they were, they were losing their faith. They were, they were starting to lose out with God. And beside all this, today is the third day since these things were done. It's only just happened. Yea, and certain women of our company made us astonished which were early at the sepulchre. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. So they're confused beyond everything. They're not sure what's going on. They don't understand that this, this, uh, what, what, People are reporting has happened because that's something that's impossible, naturally. No one can be alive once they've been dead. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulchre and found it even as the woman had said, but they saw, but him they saw not. And then Jesus started to speak to them. And he, he not really kind words, actually. Then he said unto them, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets had spoken. You've got the Word of God. You've got the prophets. You've got everything in the Word that says what is going to happen and what what is going to come to pass. So he was expecting more of these disciples. Or not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. He opened their eyes. He opened their understanding when they talked with Jesus. And they drew nigh to the village, whither they went. And he made as though he would have gone further. He was pretending that he wanted just to keep walking. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at me with them, he took bread. And blessed it, and brake, and gave to them. And their eyes were opened. And they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, Did not our heart burn within us, while he talked with us by the way, and while he opened to us the Scriptures? When Jesus talks to us, when we read his word, and it starts to deal with our hearts, there's a burning that goes on in our heart. There's, there's something that wants to respond to God's Spirit, to what we're hearing from His Word. Just like the two disciples, God starts speaking to us and our heart starts burning. Not literally, once again, not literally. But when God starts speaking to us, we can feel a stirring in our spirit. We can start to feel God's presence. We can start to feel God coming into our lives, our hearts, our situations. And the more we listen and consider what God is telling us, we feel a burning inside of us. It's, it's kind of a, a, little, a, a little burning feeling in us as we feel the presence of God dealing with our hearts. Our own body and our own spirit wants to respond to Jesus. But from deep within, we want to s- respond to Jesus. But sometimes we hold off. We don't want to listen. We don't want to believe what God is telling us. We don't want to allow Him to deal with our hearts. He might deal with 
that area that we don't want him to deal with. We get afraid. We're not sure what's going on. Maybe we've never felt anything like this before. Maybe instinctively we know that there will be a change when we respond to God. Just like most people, we get comfortable with the way we are. We like the way things are going. We think, okay, yeah, I've, I've reached a point. I'm, I'm, it's pretty crazy now. I'm walking with God. Um, I'm, you know, or, I'm, or I'm happy with my life and the way things are going. Think, things are pretty good at the moment. But change can be a scary thing. Most people are afraid of change. They like things going on the way that they have always been. Because anything else is unknown, and it's very linked to the fear of the unknown. Things like speaking to God, talking to God when you haven't been brought up in the church or even heard much about the Bible can seem strange, even eerie, because it's not natural. It's not according to the way that people normally act when they haven't had a relationship or an experience, an encounter with Jesus. That's because there's nothing natural about God and his presence, not to a person who's lived their lives away from God and his presence. It's something better. It's something supernatural, but it will seem strange. It will seem unnatural. It will seem weird. This natural world is made up of what we can see, hear, touch, taste, or smell. What we can use our five senses to distinguish, to determine between everything that's physical in this earth. But God can't be found with any of our five senses. We can't see him in a physical form. God doesn't have a physical form as he is a spirit. So we can't see, we can't hear, we can't touch, we can't taste, we can't smell him in any physical sense. See, that alone makes it a strange and an unusual thing for us. So when God starts speaking to us by reaching out to our spirits, it can be strange and uncomfortable for anyone who doesn't know God. Sometimes God even causes us to hear an audible voice within our minds when he especially wants us to know something big. It's not the usual way of things, but God does work in that way in our lives. And we need to listen to him when he does that because it's important. God has many ways that he can and does use to show us that he is real. But we have to be open to him. We have to be willing to to give him a chance. We have to be willing to allow ourselves to, to give him the opportunity to prove that he is real. If we're closed minds, if we have closed minds, completely closed minds, we're not willing to, to believe anything but what we can see and touch, then we're not going to find Jesus. We're not going to be able to believe in him. We have to be open to him. You see, God will never force us to believe in him. God will speak to your spirit. He will cause your heart to burn within you as you listen. He will reveal things to you. But if you stubbornly refuse to believe in God or that he exists, he'll let you go your own way. It's true. God is not not interested in forcing people to serve him. He wants it to be a choice. He wants it to be something that we choose to do. God wants most of all people that would choose to believe in him and follow him. 
That's why he gave us a free will in the first place, to choose whatever path we desire. If God wanted robots that were forced to serve him and give him praise, he would have created robots that were forced to serve him and give him praise. But God created people. God created us instead with a free will, with an ability to choose what we think is right and wrong. He's allowed us of our own free wills to even believe that there is no God at all, even though that must hurt him so much. Wouldn't you want to be recognized for doing something great? We love being uh, people acknowledging the, the stuff that we do, especially when we do something very special for someone else. And if, if they don't say thank you or, or respond in any way, then we feel let down, we feel hurt because we have given of ourselves to, to, to help someone else, to um, lift someone else up, but it hasn't been acknowledged, it hasn't been recognized. Even when we say we don't like uh, acknowledgement or praise, we actually do. We want to be, be appreciated for what we do. So God created the entire universe. He created the world we live in. All the thousands of different species of animals that exist in the world today, the mountains, the rivers, the, the space, and everything that's in it. He gave you the life and the breath that is in your nostrils and in your lungs right now. And yet, many choose to completely reject the evidences that he's given us that he is real. They choose to believe that there is no God. Many, maybe even all people, will have experiences during their lives that will shake their beliefs that there is no God, the ones that don't believe. There is a man in, uh, in my workplace um, who used to be my boss, and he, um, he considers himself to be an atheist, but with the possibility that there might be something else out there. And there's a reason... For that, you see, he was driving his car one day and he went into a car parking lot and he was about to park his car. And he heard a voice inside his mind saying, keep going, go out of the, go out of the parking lot. And so he was a bit taken aback by that, but he followed the voice and he went out and said, said you know, go out onto the road. And so he did that. And the voice then said, hit the brakes. And he hit the brakes, and the brakes had completely failed. And so that kind of shook, uh, I believe, his, his belief that there was nothing else out there, that there, there wasn't such thing as a God. So while he still believes himself to be an atheist, he, he says, you know, there's a possibility there might be something else out there. You see, God reaches out to people bit by bit, but he never forces us to believe or to choose him. He will reach out to our spirits, but he will never override our wills. We must choose to be open to him, to allow him to speak to us. And that is when our lives will change for the better. After Jesus died and rose again from the dead, there were some of Jesus' disciples that had their hearts open to God. They had been told to go to Jerusalem and wait for power from God. 
They had no idea of what was going to happen, despite Jesus giving some, some hints and some idea of what was going to happen. They had no idea of what was really going to happen, but they went and they prayed anyway. They had faith. They were willing to obey what God had put before them, even though nothing like this had ever been asked before. This situation had never happened before. They opened their hearts. They allowed God to do something in them. And let's see what happened in Acts chapter 1, verse 12. Then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day, Sabbath day's journey. And when they were come in, they went up into an upper room. God, Jesus called them to, to wait. And so they were going to wait. They went into an upper room where abode both Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon Zelotes, and Judas, the brother of James. These all continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, with his bre- and with his brethren. And in those days, Peter stood up in the midst of the disciples and said the number of, of names together were about 120. There would have been more people that were following Jesus, but there were only 120 in that upper room. Those were the ones who were willing to follow him. Those are the ones that heard Jesus' voice and commandments and said, yes, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait. Whatever, however long it's going to take, I will wait. And, and Acts 2 and verse 1, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, there were a few days before that happened. They were all with one accord in one place. They were together. They were, had one purpose. They had one mind. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. God came into that place. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave the utterance. It was something strange. It was something weird. It was something that had never happened before in the history of mankind. God was doing a new thing. He was setting up. He was establishing his church. This quite naturally caused quite a stir in Jerusalem with some thinking that these 120 were drunk. Acts chapter 2 and verse 14 continues. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea, and all you that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel, and it shall come to pass in the last days, saith God, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens, I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. God had told before many, many years, hundreds of years, maybe thousands of years before that he was going to do these things. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and notable day of the Lord come. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. When we hear the voice of God, 
We need to call on his name. We need to reach out. We need to respond. We need to say, God, I know you're speaking to me. I know you want to change something. Lord, I open my heart. I allow you to speak to me. I allow you to deal with whatever it is that you want to deal with in my life. Peter continued his sermon and let the Jews know that they had crucified the Messiah that had been prophesied about hundreds of years beforehand. The one person who every single Jew was looking for, looking for salvation, looking for the Messiah that was prophesied. And he was basically saying, you've missed it. You've missed what the Messiah that God had promised and you've crucified him. Now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. They realized what they had done. They realized just how how much they hadn't been able to listen. And they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? What can we do now? They realized that the, they couldn't go to the priests. They were the ones who had been, been wanting to crucify Jesus in the first place. So what are we going to do? We've got a stain. We can't take it away. We've missed it. Then Peter said unto them, Repent. Turn away from the way that you've been. Turn away from wickedness. Turn away from your, your old life, the things that are not pleasing in God's sight, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins. The blood of Jesus washes over us and takes away all of the guilt, the stain that sin has left in our lives. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. God has given us the promise of the Holy Spirit. God is not wasn't just to set up the church. It wasn't just a nice thing to say that, that God was, was putting into place the church. But God will give His Spirit where, where you speak in a language you've never learned to those that will seek Him, to those that will open their hearts, to those that will receive His Word, to those that will follow and choose to follow Him and believe in Him. Acts 2.40, And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. If the generation was untoward or wicked back then, it's far more untoward and wicked nowadays. We need to save ourselves from this wicked world. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. When you hear the word of God, when you understand what he wants to do in your lives, there's a gladness. There's, there's a desire. There's a want to do what he wants to do in us. What happened that day is that around 3,000 people suddenly had God living inside of them. The God that created the universe, the God that created us, the God that did many miracles and wonders and signs through many ages, the God that tried to call out to his people and wanted them to respond and follow him, they had that same God living inside of them because that's what the Holy Spirit is. Before that, before this, they had their own direction, their own mistakes and past failures, their own private struggles, things they couldn't get free from. But suddenly, they had the Spirit and the presence of the Almighty God that created the universe and that created everything in it, living within them from day to day. Think about what a difference 
that makes in someone's life and can make in your life if you have not experienced it this morning. Suddenly, they had a power that no one else had before that day. People out in the world are overtaken by addictions and vices and things that they cannot free themselves from. Only God has the power to deliver. Yeah, you can go to things like Alcoholics Anonymous. You can go to drug programs. You can do all of that. But they, they, they say, you know, once you're an addict, you're always an addict. You can just choose to make the right choices. You, you struggle with it from day to day. But God offers a freedom and an overcoming and a power to live completely above that which held us bound in our past lives. Suddenly they had a power that no one else had before that day. With the power of Jesus inside them, they were able to overcome and be completely free from sin, from anything that would not please God. They were able to overcome bad and sinful habits that had completely taken hold of them. They were able to change things within themselves that had been impossible to change before. How many people... Uh, make New Year's resolutions. They know that there are things in their lives they need to change, that, that they're not happy with, they want to be better in. And so they make New Year's resolutions. But how long do they last? We can only do so much with our own willpower. But with the power of Jesus, he has unlimited power. He can free in an instant something that has been a problem for a lifetime. They're able to change things within themselves that have been impossible to change before. Sure, they had tried to change before, but somehow now it became almost easy because they had the power of God within them. That's what the gift of the Holy Ghost does to a person. Yes, if you have not grown up in the church, if you've never experienced it, it seems strange and it seems even scary at first. But that's only when you're on that side. That's only when you haven't experienced it. When Jesus actually comes inside you and starts living inside your heart, you won't believe the joy, the peace, the love, the long-suffering, the gentleness, the goodness, the mercy that will suddenly flood you and replace the hurt the pain and the fear that you've had for the whole entirety of your life. There are some things in this life that just have to be experienced before you can understand what all the fuss is about. There's a phrase that says, you had to be there. And when we're talking about the Holy Ghost, you have to experience it. It's, it's not something that you can look at from the outside and say, well, you know, I understand what it's all about. You can't without having Jesus living inside of you yourself. How many times have you heard people say, I thought that was going to be stupid, but I gave it a try and it was awesome. Looking at something from the outside, it's easy to be a bit or even a lot skeptical of what you can, you're, you're seeing, what you're looking at. But when you actually experience something, then you know then you, you can say, I know what they were talking about now. I understand why this was so amazing, why this was so important. 
And Jesus is the same thing. Jesus has to be experienced to be believed. You can come into a church. You can sit on the pew. You can hear what goes over the pulpit time after time, week after week. But unless you get an experience with God, unless you get a relationship with God, God will draw you, yes. You'll, you'll feel something in your spirit. But that's, that's, not the, that's not the end of it. God is wanting to draw you closer. God is wanting to do more for you. God is wanting to release you. God is wanting to free you. God is wanting to give you something that will be beyond anything that this world could ever offer you, no matter how bright, no matter how awesome it looks from your perspective. Jesus has to be experienced to be believed. People talk about life-changing drugs, life-changing lifestyles, life-changing diets, but only Jesus has the true life-changing power. You name it, Jesus has delivered someone from it. I promise you that. What the psychologists and the psychiatrists can't change, Jesus can. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. If you struggle in your mind with things, if, if there are things that you can't get past, there are blockages that don't allow you to do things, that cause you to freeze with fear, that, that cause you to be unable to live life normally, Jesus will give you a sound mind. That is a promise. What the legal system can't change in hardened criminals, Jesus can. There are many hardened criminals who have found Jesus and their lives have changed. You wouldn't have even known that they had that lifestyle before because of the change that Jesus can and will bring when we open up our hearts to him. What the marriage counselors can't fix, Jesus can. Jesus offers the only true life-changing experience that there is. All of the false advertising of this world, and there's a lot of it, has made people into the most critical skeptics. Nowadays, people don't believe anything, really, that they're told. And one of the biggest topics that people are skeptical about is Jesus. Some people think that Jesus didn't even exist, that he's just an invented story, despite all of the evidence against that. Other people think that Jesus was just a good man, that he had a good life, that he did a few good things. Some people think that Jesus was just a prophet, that, you know, God used him to do some good things for people. They realized that the power of God was with him, but they stopped short of realizing who Jesus really is. And others realized that he was the actual son of God, the Messiah, the one who was promised from early on in Israel's um, history. Well, that shouldn't come as a surprise. It was the same back in Jesus' day. Not everybody believed in Jesus. If I could get someone to the piano, please. 
Maybe you've been listening to this message and your heart has been burning, just like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. You realize that God is speaking to you. Maybe he's been speaking to you for a long time about something. Maybe he's been trying to get you to follow him and you've been holding back, you've been unsure, you've been perhaps too afraid. Maybe you've tried all sorts of things in this world and had no satisfaction. You won't. You won't ever find real satisfaction in this earth. In all the things that the world offers, though they look bright, they look, they look great and satisfying, they never are. Because God has put something in us that wants more, that wants Him, that desires Him, that, that wants His Spirit inside of us. Maybe you've tried everything to change your life, your circumstances, even yourself, but have failed miserably. Maybe you're at the end of your tether and you don't even know which way to turn. Maybe you're even thinking about committing suicide. I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the answer. He's the only answer, the only real answer to your problems, to your situation, and to your ruined life. This world and people in this world will promise you everything and give you absolutely nothing. I'm reminded of the story of the prodigal son where he went out with money. He went out from his father's house and he thought he was going to live a good life. But he spent everything that he had. He he spent it all and drunkenness, riotous living, and he thought he was having a good time. But when times got tough, when things went the other way, his friends left him. The world left him behind. They couldn't care less about him. And that's what the world will do. It will chew you up. It will spit you out when it doesn't need you anymore, when you can't do the same sorts of things anymore. Jesus promises a changed life (laughs) for the better. (laughs) Always for the better. Anything that God wants us to change is for the better. We resist him sometimes, but it's always for the better. He gives everything. He gives you everything that you could ever need. Now is the time to give Jesus a shot, a try. After all, no one else has been able to give you true peace, true joy, true satisfaction in life out there. Only Jesus can fill that void in your life, can fill that emptiness, can fill that despair, that that loss of hope. Yeah, you can get little bits of peace, little bits of joy, little bits of love temporarily from what the world offers, but it's gone in an instant. And you're back where you were before, and in an even worse place than you were before. It's only temporary. No one can give peace, joy, and love to you like Jesus can. And it lasts for a lifetime. God isn't short of peace, joy, and love and what He can do in our lives. He goes beyond what we could ask or think. Why don't you give Jesus a try? You've got nothing to lose and absolutely everything to gain.
I invite you to come to the front of the church. Even if you're afraid, even if you're scared, we will pray with you. And if you choose Jesus today, you'll never regret it. If you take that small step towards Jesus, you'll never regret it, not for the rest of your life. People talk about an opportunity too good to miss. Well, this is that opportunity this morning. Listen, open, be open to God, His Word. Be open to what He wants to do in your life. Don't reject it. Don't hold back. Don't be afraid of doing what God wants in your life. And there are, and if you are in the church, maybe God has been speaking to you about stuff in your life. Maybe God has been, you, you can feel that burning when Jesus speaks to you. You read the Word of God and you feel that burning. You hear a message over the pulpit and you hear, feel that burning in you. You want to respond. You want to, you want to, you want to get closer to God, but you hold back. You're afraid. Don't be afraid. Allow Him to do His work in your life. Allow Him to change you. It's always for the better. What you lose, He gives to you far more. That is a promise than what you lose. It's not like for like, but He gives you far in excess of what you could ever lose. If he's dealing with you, then respond to his voice. If if you just want to get closer to God, if you want to say, Lord, I want to open my heart. I don't want to miss it. Is there anything in my life that you are dealing with me about that that maybe I don't realize yet? Lord, I open my heart. I allow myself to listen and allow you to deal with with my heart. The front of the church is open. Why don't you come? Why don't you pray? Why don't you respond to the Lord this morning?